0: Right, welcome into a post-Super Bowl edition of the News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal St. Cyr alongside Justin Barney. NFL season officially over. I'm going to go cry quietly in the corner because we don't have football for a long time. Man, and
1: <laughs> the Chiefs, again, standing there at the end. Remind me of the Patriots. I mean, what they've done, been able to do and navigate free agency. And uh, this era of the Super Bowl era, I mean, it's been Chiefs, Andy Reid, yes. Patrick Mahomes, it has been remarkable to watch them, and it, it is like watching the New England Patriots in slow motion again, and Jacksonville knows what it is up against mm-hmm. to be able to scale that mountain.
0: So, the Jaguars clearly didn't make it there. Um, they never have, uh, but next year, the Super Bowl is in New Orleans, and all 32 <laughs> teams are back in the running to get there and uh, maybe walk away with a ring and a nice trophy, uh, so we're going to talk today about what the Jaguars could do to make a, a serious bid at getting to that next Super Bowl in New Orleans next year. Uh, obviously, there's some work that needs to be done. Um, is it a ton of work? Maybe, uh, but but hopefully not too much, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, man,
1: <laughs> yeah. it just when you look at a team like the Chiefs or even the, the 49ers, we saw them in Jacksonville up close and personal this year. It's amazing how well they draft, yeah. how well they develop you can overcome situations like not having a number 1 receiver or receivers who drop everything it's it's remarkable how good teams are able to do that and you saw that with New England you've seen that with Doug I mean Doug Peterson and Nick Foles in Philadelphia when they won it mm-hmm. i mean just they are o- able to overcome their circumstances and i mean Doug Peterson's Eagles team did that their year they lose their starting quarterback Carson Wentz they use the backup Nick Foles Super Bowl championship. I mean, the Patriots have, I mean, time and again, we saw that with them. And again, the Chiefs. I mean, they they'd lost week one against the Lions. Did not look like a Super Bowl team. Looked like they had lost a step. And then, by the way, here we are in February. And uh, Chiefs win a, a overtime game against the Niners. Great Super Bowl.
0: Just just absolutely wild. So, when you look at it, the Jaguars have a little bit of work to get there. Because these teams are elite. And, I mean, they got elite players all over the place. And, when you look at the Jags team, like like if we start naming the guys that you just feel like are elite that could start on any team in the NFL, you get you you you're gonna use one hand, and I don't know if you use all fi- all your fingers so. on one hand. I mean, who who are
1: your your guys you could start for any team? Josh Allen, maybe yeah, Josh, Josh Allen?
0: Allen's probably in there. Ross Matasik's in there. Um, I think most teams would find a way to play Evan Ingram. Um, and maybe Christian Kirk maybe is kind of a third receiver somewhere. I think Trayvon Walker would play for every team in this league. I really do. Um, just I, I know he doesn't make the flashy plays all the time, but the dirty work that he does in the run game, he would have a role on every team. Um, okay, so
1: that's four right there, and that's probably it. Yeah, uh, there's there's nobody else. Jaguar, I mean Foyer. See, I mean, he's, he's, he's a tackling machine,
0: just... but there are some really good linebackers. Yeah. I mean, watching Fred Werner yesterday. Woo. Yeah, you know, so um
1: I mean, that San yeah. Francisco defense was wicked. Yes. Wicked. Good. You,
0: you love the way they fly around. I mean, just full speed, able to make a clean tackle. Um just there's so many good things there. So, look, the Jaguars have to get more elite guys. And I you know, I think part of it, they got to get got to get a different mentality. mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
1: Yeah, Yeah. well, I mean, watching that game, I don't know how many times I thought to myself watching that game last night, man, this is what real football looks like. I mean, these teams are elite. And, I mean, again, there's 32 teams in the league, and the two of them were unquestionably the best. Um, So, but, I mean, even when you get down to that next rung, Mm -hmm. I mean, the Ravens were a freaking elite team. Very, very good team. 100%. Um, But, I mean, the 49ers. Drafted Mr. Irrelevant, Rock Purdy. Yep. And he's, I mean, he's on the ascension to become, you know, uh, the 2020s version of Tom Brady. And again, the Jags are just kind of, you scratch your head watching teams like we saw in the Super Bowl. And you're like, wow, Jacksonville's got a long, long way to go to get to this point.
0: Well, look, I think there's a couple of things to this. So, uh, part of the problem is that these teams have been in these builds for a while. So, when you look at a guy, just for sake of conversation, Jawan Jennings had a fantastic game for San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Threw a touchdown pass, caught a touchdown pass. I covered him when he was at the University of Tennessee. I've been in Jacksonville for five years. So, keep in mind, like, Jawan Jennings hasn't didn't just get to the NFL. This isn't his, like, first, second year in mm-hmm. the league. So, like... This is a build. It takes time. Jawan Jennings was one of the top receivers for Tennessee while he was there, but he wasn't really fast. He wasn't really tall. wasn't overly big, so he wasn't like highly sought after. But he was gritty. I mean, I was talking yesterday while he was making plays. I was like, oh man, I remember the hail mary he caught against Georgia. Josh Dobbs, Jawan Jennings in the end zone. People were losing it because that was a walk off touchdown to win the game. And it, pe- that was that's Jawan Jennings, and he's making these plays. I'm like, man. But he's been in the league for four or five years mm-hmm. now. So he's on a second contract with this team. This is – we drafted a guy. We like what he brings to the team. Hey, if you – no know what? Other team sees your value, yeah. we'll keep you. Um, and so, Jawan
1: Jennings is not a, a front-line kind of guy. Right. These are glue guys that hold Those, that team together. Exactly.
0: And that's sometimes the difference mm-hmm. on these teams. Because remember, like, if you wanted to say who's in the Jawan Jennings almost spot on the Jaguars roster – like right now, look at the Jags receiver core. You don't have anybody on a second contract that's no. not a high-level contributor like Zay Jones. Mm-hmm. He wasn't drafted by the Jags. They brought him in as a free agent. So you're getting to that point when you constantly are turning over coaching staff, constantly changing GMs. You don't get that continuity mm-hmm. because you're missing and because they don't like guys. So maybe a Tim Jones could could one day be a Jawan Jennings type of player for the Jaguars, but – He's got to get to that point. He's got to keep improving, and he has to stick around. I think his contract's coming up now, um, but they'd have to make the decision to keep him. Yeah. Um, and you can go the same way on, on anything. These are teams that have been in this build for a while. Their front office staff has been together. Kyle Shanahan didn't just get to San Francisco. Neither did Andy Reid in Kansas City. Neither did John Harbaugh in Baltimore. The closest thing that the Jaguars have is you look at what Dan Campbell and the Lions have done because they've been mm-hmm. on similar paths.
1: But, and I've said it, I've said it on social media throughout the season. The Lions this year are what I expected the Jaguars to be. I Ooh. expected that growth from Trevor. Ooh. I expected that leap from Trayvon, and they just weren't there.
0: Well, uh, all right, so let's talk about oh, I guess we're going to transition this into the Lions conversation <laughs> a little bit, which is good. I mean, look, I think this is where we're going cuz I I think you're right. The Jaguars are far closer to Detroit at least in my opinion than they are to San Francisco yes. or Kansas City. But the San Francisco and Kansas City are in what your 7 year 8 of their builds that they have players on these second and some right. third contracts where they understand look, this is what we are. This yep. is our nucleus, the glue guys that stick for a while. Like Dewan Smoot's uh, what I would consider a long-term citizen in Jacksonville. I mean, he's made Jacksonville his home. He's mm-hmm. a Jaguar and probably would like to finish his career with the Jaguars one day. But how many coaching staffs has yep. he gone through? How many? Fr- I mean, this is only a second front office because Dave Caldwell was here, and then they transitioned straight to Trent Baalke. But, I mean – it's tough when you, you don't have that continuity because even when you change GMs, they want to bring in their guys because yeah, yeah. they have a different vision for the team. Trent Baalke clearly had a different vision yep. from Dave Caldwell, and he was just promoted from inside the staff. So, all right, so let, let's transition to the Lions conversation. So what what are the differences you see between the Jaguars and Detroit?
1: You know, I, Detroit still got issues, too. I mean, yes. they made it the NFC Championship game with a terrible secondary, a, a defense that had all kinds of issues, and they were still able to do it. But you got a quarterback you believe in. I mean, Jared Goff was basically given away for a ham sandwich. Sure. From, you know, the, the Rams wanted a franchise quarterback. I mean, Jared Goff was the number one pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. And the Rams said, hey, we don't consider this guy a franchise quarterback. We're going to go get Matt Stafford and do it that way. They basically just gave Jared Goff away, and Matt Stafford was a guy. And Matt Stafford won a Super Bowl, so that was yeah. great for them. But, I mean, Jared Goff is a guy who— there's, there's chemistry there with his guys. They've drafted well. I mean, Sam Laporta, I mean, they've drafted well. They've got hits on the guys. They've done outlandish kind of things. I mean, you're taking Jameer Gibbs way early in the draft, right? I yeah. mean, they've kind of done some stuff that they've hit on. And Jacksonville just has not had that same luck. I mean, I know the Trayvon Aiden Hutchison comparison um, has been made, being one and two in the draft a couple years ago. Um, but I think Detroit has drafted better. I think, you know, I hate to say that Dan Campbell's a better coach than Doug, um, but he's gotten to the NFC Championship game. Um, you know, I, I think Doug's probably a better coach body of work. Doug's got a Super Bowl to his credit. Um, but Dan, I think, has probably done better in Detroit than Doug has done here. Um, but again, I, I still think you've got a draft good. And Detroit was able to succeed, excel, despite obvious issues still existing in their roster. I mean, you had... Mm-hmm. Issues. I mean, Detroit's defense was just skewered all season long, and still they went like they went 13 games, sure. 12, 13 games in the regular sure. season. So you had issues on your roster. You were able to overcome those. And you look at Jacksonville, mm-hmm. you have issues on the roster. You can't overcome them, be at the offensive line, be it the defensive lapses and stuff. So for whatever reason, I don't know if coaching, I don't know if it's just got killer instincts on some players, yeah. but Detroit has been able to kind of flip the script. I mean, don't even talk about the history of Detroit. Right? You know, I mean, the history of Detroit unbelievably bad, worse by far, worse than Jacksonville. So, um, for whatever reason, Detroit was able to kind of ride the waves and adjust for its issues, and Jacksonville just has not been able to do it.
0: All right. So, I I, I see where you're going. Here's where, where I kind of land on the biggest difference between these teams. Because I know as you kind of rattle through the weaknesses, the Jaguars have some similar spots. But the one spot that you, di- you wouldn't say for the Lions that you'd say immediately for the Jaguars. Offensive oh, line. That's it. Yep. Look, the, the Lions invested heavily yep. in building out that offensive line. They put a brick wall in yep. front of Jared Goff in that running game. They invested in it. They drafted for it. They already had a few pieces in place. Um, some, some older guys that were already in the building that they wanted to keep. And now that offensive line is really good. One of mm-hmm. the best in the NFL. The Jaguars. I mean... All the analytics say the Jaguars are near the worst in the right. NFL. So look, just different worlds when it comes to that offensive line spot, and that's to me that's the biggest change that yeah. the Jaguars need to take from this. Is look, you got to fix the line, man. I, I do think there's something to how Dan Campbell – Dan Campbell's a little bit of a, has a different approach than Doug, um, which can help, but. I I think the biggest thing is the offensive line. Look, the difference between Trayvon and Aiden Hutchinson, we can talk about that till we're blue in the face. Look, the stats are close at this point. Um, I know Aiden, you know, makes the splash plays. I know Aiden talks to the media, great interviews. Trayvon's not that guy. He doesn't want to be that guy. It's just different. It's
1: a negligible difference at this point. I I think those guys are – Similar, you know, Aiden may have more splash plays, quote-unquote, um, may be more highlight-friendly, Maybe more talkative and more of a sound soundbite uh, that makes him more, you think. know, you know, pristine over mm-hmm. Trayvon. Um, and plus, I mean, Jacksonville historically has not gotten many benefits of the doubt come uh, come that, and it right. probably hasn't deserved benefits of the doubt how poorly it's drafted mm-hmm. um, in franchise history. But, you know, to your point about building that offensive line, you kind of build from the inside out, you know, you. I remember growing up as a kid, like oh, I don't want to draft an offensive line. It's just not that sexy pick. It's you know, not. When the, Jag- when the Jags drafted Tony Baselli, I'm thinking, oh, this is terrible. You know, why are you going to get an offense? You you see very early yep. in this business and watching football games how important the offensive line is. Gotta win uh, in the trenches. You got to, and you got and the same for the defense. Uh, and when Tom Coughlin was here, uh, one of the best back-to-back drafts. You, he said, I'm going to make this defensive line. One of the most feared in the league. You got Marcus Stroud and John Henderson back-to-back drafts and just absolutely fortified that line. Jacksonville needs to do that. They need to, to build off that Anton Harrison pick. Mm-hmm. You've got to get some nastiness, be it free agency or the draft, and get a line like Detroit to have a guy like Trevor Lawrence, Jared Goff, both number one picks. Uh, Jared was underwhelming in, in Los Angeles, same for, uh, you know, with the Rams because just wasn't. You know, they they won in spite of Jared Goff. He just didn't have that, you know, that charisma of being that number one pick. He was basically just gift wrapping, giving away. And Trevor's kind of that, too. He's not been that that kind of that number one guy. A little Mm -hmm. bit underwhelming when you're looking at three years as a whole. So, to your point about building that and stocking up, I mean, it's a huge difference. Huge difference. Because they were able to survive despite pretty glaring weaknesses on their defensive side of the ball.
0: Look, I, and, and there's one of their guys, so um, this is a little bit of a different episode, but, but one of the Lions guys, since we're talking about it, has a connection to the Jaguars defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen, and I would love for the Jags to add him to Jacksonville. Because, look, one of the things that you have to be to get to the Super Bowl, to be an elite team, you got to be gritty and nasty, especially on defense. And you, like,
1: by you, watching that game, it, they looked, the Niners and Chiefs, they looked gritty, nasty, physical, I mean, Th- that's what nasty. they had. Nasty. And
0: I think the Jaguars, like, sometimes I looked at it and I said, man, they got a lot of leaders that are lead by example guys. But they need, like, all those games where they came out flat, you need that. You, I I say this in the NBA – Um Every really good NBA team, they have at least one crazy guy, just the guy that (laughs) he he doesn't care. He's sliding on the floor. He'll get in the other team's face, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. You know, the Patrick Beverley's, the Ron Artest, those really good NBA teams, they got at least one crazy guy that the other team's just like, "Mm, I don't know if I want to see that dude uh, in the back alley. You know, Draymond Green's, you know, look, you you just don't know what he's going to do. Somebody got a tech is probably that guy. Every good NBA team has one. And most good defenses got one or two guys that you're just like, I don't want to see him in a dark alley. Um, I didn't feel like the Jaguars maybe had enough of those guys that I was just like, "Mm, I really don't want to see him in a dark alley. So um, there's a player that played with Ryan Nielsen while he was with New Orleans. Uh, He was in Detroit last year. Do you know where I'm going with this?
1: Oh, man. No, I don't. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Oh, man. Yes. Gator blast from the past.
0: From the Gators. Look, look. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is the type of player that you don't want Playing against him, you love him if he's on your team You hate him if you have mm-hmm. to play against him uh, Look, he talks the entire Time, even when the Jaguars had Joint practices yeah. with the Lions, he was Talking trash the entire way Him and Calvin were going at it on, mm-hmm. on the Field, but off the field they were like, look, we know Each other, he's always been talking Like that, um, and, and they were making A joke about it, but Chauncey's that Is that right kind of nasty yeah. That I feel like He's the kind of guy where I always remember this this quote from Cam Newton when he was with the Panthers. He was like, you can't turn a lion into a house pet. And he was like, I'm, it's not saying I want to get out of his house. He said, I want to get everybody else on my level. So I'm going to change it to the jungle, or to the safari or whatever, however the quote goes. But Chauncey's crazy enough that if everybody else is laid back and flat, it's either going to combust and it's going to be terrible or everybody else is going to say, man, I got to ramp it up. This dude, look, we're going to ramp it up to this next level and everything's going to be great. There's no in-between. Either it's going to be intensity with Chauncey on the team or it's going to be terrible.
1: Who would? Who is that role now for Jacksonville? Just that crazy Dennis Rodman kind of character where you're like, this dude is well, just. Well, two years
0: ago it was Arden Key. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was course. Arden Key, and then you let Arden walk again. I, I'm telling you, every good team's got to have that crazy guy, got to have at least one that you're <laughs> just like, I don't know what he's going to do. I mean, but when, when it's good, like Chauncey on his way out of New Orleans got in a fight with Michael Thomas there. They got a fight in the locker room. That was on his way out. Like I said, when it's great, he's great. He's the type of guy you want on your team, but you don't really want to play against him. And if it's going well, that intensity is perfect. It gets everybody else on that level. But if it's going bad, it's going real bad. Uh-huh. And
1: yeah.
0: right now the Jaguars don't really have that. They don't have that sort of personality. I feel like they've gone a different route with the personality mm-hmm. types that they've brought in. Right. Um, but they don't have that kind of guy, especially not on the defense right yeah. now. And that's not. I mean, that's not really a shot at guys. It's just saying that's not their personality. Yeah, that's, type. And
1: I think Jacksonville is kind of, I mean, you need that kind of head case a little bit where you don't know the guy's going to be. Blow up at the at the Christmas dinner, or give somebody a present, kind of guy. Jags don't have that guy. No, they you don't. Know? They don't have that guy, and I totally get it. You know, yes. you walk in the locker room, the guys making a joke or, or doing something, you know, kind of can go off the wall a little mm-hmm. bit. Just don't have that guy. Don't yeah. have him. You know, Trevor on the offense is too uh, too vanilla. Too I'm sure people listen when Trevor speaks, but Trevor's the the company line. He's going to give you what you know what you're going to get. To a Chauncey Gardner Johnson guy. You don't know what you're gonna get. Jacksonville don't have
0: that. You need one guy like that who is a leader on the team, who can close the door and say, "We don't need the coaches for this one. We're gonna handle this, and we got to get it fixed." Uh, again, I, I can. You, you go through NBA teams all day. Marcus Smart, crazy, just like that. <laughs> you know, look, you you yeah. need, need in the NBA. You really need them in the NFL. You need it too. Um, look, if you look on the Chiefs roster, they have those kinds of players. Travis Kelsey. In the Super Bowl last yeah. night, did you see him explode on yeah. Andy Reid? Put his hands on the coach. About if, that's him it, over. About not, if that's anybody but Pat Mahomes or Travis Kelsey, they're done. <laughs> so, like, but you you need that kind of guy because at times the NFL is still a job and it the season can be long. And just like we saw with the Jaguars, teams can come out flat. It It happens. You Ooh. go to your regular job and you can come in some days and be, and then other days, you're kind of like, oh, man. It's
1: Let me ask you this. Who do you think was the last kind of alpha like that Jacksonville had? And I'll, I'll tell you who I think was after. Ooh,
0: last guy like last that? Last guy
1: like that who carried a little bit of craziness and and a little bit of a platform to kind of make it sink in.
0: I think Art and Key had a little bit okay. of sink into him with the crazy, but not that much. I'd say the last, like, at least since I've been here, um, the last one I can think is maybe DJ Hayden okay. in 19. Um, cause he, it, DJ, when he spoke, people listened. Um, he had a little bit like, you know, like he wasn't, he, he joke with you. He had a, a, a nice go about it. Um, I thought he was a great guy. Um, RIP, um, yeah. was in that accident, Bad. but I think I DJ Hayden. Okay, that's the, that's the last one I can think of.
1: I'm going to say, I'm going to say Jalen.
0: Yeah, I I think, think Jalen definitely carried a little bit more weight Yeah, because I think, he played at such a high level yeah. when he spoke. and he I mean, he was saying all these things, and that's always been one thing that stuck with me about the way Jalen left. And I know a lot of the fan base kind of turned on Jalen a little bit when he was on the way out the door because he was saying all these things. Mm-hmm. I want to play man coverage. I don't think they want to do it here in Jacksonville. They're soft, this, that, and the other. Like, the one thing I always remember is Jalen – when he was demanding his way out, holding the press conference, saying basically saying, I'm, I'm demanding this trade. I think it was like a Tuesday. There were two players standing in that room while he did it. And uh, like, so he wasn't alone. Mm-hmm. That I'm like, The locker room understood what he was saying and didn't think he was wrong. Yeah. And one of those players was Miles Jack, who had just signed an extension. So, yeah, I'd say Jalen.
1: So, so I, yeah, I do think there's validity to that because yeah. I think as... as much as Jalen on the outside was perceived to be kind of a prima donna and spoiled brat and all these other um, insults and stuff. There's the business of football. Yep. Um, but Jalen had enough cachet. He had enough the stones on him to be able to kind of say this, to play that, to be able to have that strong hand. Yep. And it helped, too. I think that Calais was in the in the locker room, too. Sure. Um, but I think you had—I think Jalen had the respect. He was that alpha in the locker room. He had that, a little bit of that crazy— Side to him, the speak up kind of side, um, the trash talking kind of side to him, and his play on the field backed it up and yeah it was a turbulent exit from Jacksonville, but I think you asked probably nine out of ten Jaguars fans they miss Jalen
0: uh, look <laughs> the, there's a different there are different kinds of leadership, and there are times where you need guys that lead by example, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. Do the job, do it well, hope others follow. but there's also a time where you need a a guy who will stand up and says, follow me. And that there's a difference between how people approach Mm -hmm. and every person can't just stand up in front of a room and say, follow me. Everybody can't do that. You need a guy. It has to be a very particular type. I mean, Chris Jones in Kansas city is a kind of guy who can stand in front of the locker room and say at halftime, you feel like it's flat. Follow me. Mm-hmm. Let's go. I'm. We're going to set this thing off. And everybody listens and say, all right, here we go. And right now, even in those moments, like Evan Ingram's a, a quiet kind of leader. He'll speak when he needs to. Christian Kirk, very similar mood, kind of the mm-hmm. way he approaches things, it seems like. Trevor. Trevor Lawrence, yeah. a very similar leadership style. I mean, even Foye Aluakin, very similar leadership style. They they have these leaders that are very much man. I'm gonna work hard. I'm gonna do what mm-hmm. I gotta do. People are gonna follow me. Uh, they'll they'll lead by example. But you need that player that'll stand up sometimes and say no. Follow me right now. Get on my level. Mm-hmm. This is the energy we all need to be on. It's that time. Yep. You know. Um, and right now, I don't think they have that in the locker
1: room. I don't think so either. I mean, you you nail on the head. You've got guys, the leaders on the Jaguars. The guys you mentioned, Mm -hmm. very similar personalities. And you look at Trevor when he was coming out of Clemson. Sports Illustrated did a story on him that caused an uproar because they talked about, the author talked about Trevor's personality and his makeup and his psyche, and he just was looked at as kind of this laid-back guy, and I think the narrative coming out of that was does Trevor have that that piss and vinegar in him that is going to make him an NFL leader, a quarterback who can kind of Emerge through that three and fourteen season or four and thirteen season. I mean, are you going to be that guy? And I think that was a knock on Trevor. And I think Trevor, you know, his his benefactors and his people who were speaking up for him say, "Hey, Trevor's a leader. This yes. guy's a leader." And just because he's not a rah rah guy, and I've covered and there's many athletes wrong. in sports like that. Yeah. But you know, if if you have a a full team of those guys, you know, some of some of the guys. You can be that quiet lead-by-example guy, but yes. some of the times you need that Chauncey Gardner-Johnson who's going to get up in the receiver's face and push him and and hit the guy back and and, and get flagged and get thrown out of the game. You um, need
0: a little nasty. You need at least one or two guys. I mean, think about the 49ers. I mean,
1: look at, at Jalen and – was it DeAndre Hopkins? Got into a, a flat-out – just brawl on or, the field one. Or day. are you
0: talking about the AJ Green or the uh, a- AJ Green? AJ Green. AJ Green. When and he was in Cincinnati, yeah. that was the real bad one, I think. So, uh, there might have been one. With, was there one with D Hop? I don't think there was one with D Hop. there was another D- one. There were two fights, though. I know AJ Green. AJ was, Green, was a, was a really it, bad
1: again, one. but Jalen had just been, you know, in his head all day, and AJ just lost it. And he is a very, very AJ Green's a Georgia boy, very restrained, very poised, and Jalen just kind of got in his head and. Jags just don't have that guy.
0: Well, you gotta have that intensity low. I mean, look at the 49ers. I'm just Trent Williams. You think he's na- that huh. he's he's na- got yeah, that nasty, he's nasty to him. Nasty. He'll he'll stand up and talk. Christian McCaffrey, at least the, the from the outside looking in, seems more of a quiet leader, lead by example kind of guy. Mm-hmm. But you got a Trent Williams that's already there. Debo Samuel. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? But Brandon Ayuk, on the other hand, seems more of a lead right. by or lead by example rather than speak up kind of guy. So they have a mixture of already there. Brock Purdy comes in as undrafted Mr. Irrelevant. I can guarantee you he's not standing up in front of the room saying much, but he can be lead by example because they have Mm -hmm. the other voices already in there, and that's just on the offense. If we go through the defense, there are a number of guys, Arik Armstead, that can speak up, uh, Fred Werner, who's going to speak up. Uh, They have a number of guys that can say, look, we have a problem. We came in, and we're supposed to be winning this game, and we're losing to... Whoever it may be, what are we doing? Let's go. And right now, the Jaguars don't have that. Identity. They don't have an identity. They don't. They don't have an identity at all. And part of that is like as much as the coaches can install an identity, and this is the identity of our football team, and this is who we are. The identity is fun. Fo- this is at every level of sports, and it's the same reason why if you talk to a coach, they say each team, every new year, your team has a new personality. Mm-hmm. It's because the the personality and the identity of the team is formed by the team, yep. by the locker room, by the players. You can't. Doug Peterson can have a perfect vision of what the identity and personality of a Doug Peterson team is going to be. And there can bits and pieces of that he can try and install. But at the end of the day, it's the locker room that has to execute and has to take on that identity. You can go to Mandarin High School. We can go to Sandalwood. The coach can have a vision for this is the identity of this team. This is what it's going to be. If the, locker, if the locker room ain't that, the identity is what the locker room decided is going to be.
1: And you know, you've got Andy Reid in Kansas City who's a strong coach. I mean, he's been there for a yeah. while. He's got that cachet. Um, he's got the ability to kind of some leeway, the short leash kind of thing or long leash. Um, and he's got guys in there who have been able to kind of, kind of come in there and do that. I mean, you saw Kelsey blow up on the sideline. Right. Uh, and he's got that kind of mojo and be able to go over to his coach and say, hey, I want to be in the game at this time. You don't take me off the field. I need to be in the game at this time. you got Trent Williams. I'm sure they
0: talked about that afterward. Well, if they'd have lost, (laughs) they'd have probably talked more. Win, you probably forget a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, But, I
1: mean, you look at There's no shortage of those guys on San Francisco. I mean, the the defense on San Francisco is loaded. I mean, loaded from, I mean, you're talking to Chase Young. You got him at the deadline. Mm -hmm. Guy's a monster. I mean, Bosa in there. I mean, so many guys, again, drafting well. You infuse the guys to your team through free agency that come in and fit the mold. Mm-hmm. And you know what the identities for San Francisco and Kansas City are. If you watch that game, you could see just how physical they were, how precise they were, how nasty they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jacksonville just does not have an identity. I mean, Detroit, I mean, look at the identity for Detroit. I mean, unbelievable. That changed the whole city in what they did this, right. this year. And right. you figure – Can Jacksonville do that same thing? Can they recapture what they had in 2022? Can they build off of that? And I just don't know what the identity of this team is. You can watch San Francisco and Kansas City play. You know the identities of those teams. You feel that. You see that on the screen. And Jacksonville going in 2024, I don't know what the identity of this team is at all.
0: When it comes to Trevor... And the identity and the fire for this team, I, every so often you see it. like It's like a candle that just won't stay lit. Like You see something in it and you'll see him score that touchdown and, and yell and he's like there. And even like the play that failed against Tennessee where he tried to quarterback, sneak it, and reach it across the line, I have no problem with that. Look, at the end of the day, I am a firm believer that winners want the ball in their hands when the game's on the line. Mm-hmm. I, 110%. He said – I won't win this damn game and I'm gonna do what I gotta do. Had Luke Forder so tra- not
1: been on his back watching that play, he would have probably got in. He might have got in. <laughs>
0: but but so I don't I don't have a problem. Like to me, that's almost a glimpse of like that competitive fire. Like, mm-mm, I'm gonna go do this, yeah. we're gonna do this. I mean, and it, and when it backfires, it's everybody calls it hero ball, right? But when it when it works. You're like, oh man, that's the competitive yeah. it. That's that like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. They wasn't passing the ball for the game winning shot. Yeah. Same difference.
1: You look the last time I saw that from Trevor Chargers playoff game.
0: Right, and so it's all to me. He's almost like a candle that do, just doesn't stay lit with some of that stuff. Right. And if we can get, if he can figure out how to get that candle to just stay lit, he could be that guy, that vocal leader that this team needs. And we'll see Uh, maybe, maybe the way last season ended changes some of his outlook or way he approaches things, or maybe Doug Peterson talks to him about what they need from a leadership standpoint from him. Because a lot of times if your quarterback is the guy, they look to him to be Mm -hmm. that kind of leader in those tough moments. So if Trevor Lawrence is going to be that guy and going to get that big contract, the Jaguars might need to turn to him in those tough moments for him to be that kind of leader. Uh, Overall, we'll see. It's gonna be a, we got a long road until next Super Bowl, but Ooh. at the very least, the Jaguars are in the running, right? Uh, all 32 teams are, so that's not really a, a big thing. All right, uh, that's pretty much going to do it for us here on this podcast. Our next one, we're going to talk about uh, some some tough decisions for the Jaguars roster, players that need to stay and players that we think will go. Uh, that'll be coming your way on the next News for Jags podcast. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us this go-around, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>